This episode of the Ring Around NFL show is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ. If you follow the pod, you know we love analysis and information. We don't yell at each other. We don't throw out hot takes. We're not beating the same topics into the ground. That's how CBS Sports HQ does things, too. It's a sports network that streams live 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they're focused on bringing you the latest news, highlights, stats, game previews, game reactions, fantasy advice, and gambling picks. No fake debates, no politics, no made-up drama. It's just sports for real sports fans. The best part? You get all this for free. I don't mean a free trial or part of some special cable package. It's legitimately free for everybody. You don't even need a login. Just open the CBS Sports app and watch anytime, anywhere, on your phone or at home, on your Apple TV, Roku, or Fire TV. It couldn't be easier. So download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. And while we're here, we've all made some bad choices in life. I decided to record this podcast at my mom's house in the suburbs and I'm upstairs without air conditioning and it has not been fun. But this isn't about me. This is about you. Don't make bad choices and don't let missing out on fantasy football be one of them. It's not too late to create or join a league on Yahoo. Football rules and having a fantasy team makes football season even better. Try a best ball format where all you have to do is draft. No waivers, no trades all season long. It's two minute drill time, so drive down the field and score yourself a fantasy team. You won't regret choosing Yahoo. You will regret missing signups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Fantasy Football. Welcome to a special Labor Day edition of the Ringer NFL Show. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? You know, we were on the fence about recording this podcast after the clowny trade. Yes. And we talked over the weekend, and we said, ah, the clowny trade, I don't know. And then the Texans just sink further into the abyss, and now we have to record an emergency what the hell are the Texans doing podcast. We had no choice. There was no way we could let this go. I cannot remember a more batshit insane set of moves from an NFL team in such a short period of time. Can you? Well, uh, no, I can't. But it's they're going all in and they're still not going to win the Super Bowl. Does that make sense? Like, I understand. I understand what they're doing. Like, they have a better roster for 2019 than they did before the Tunsil trade, but they are they are acting like they have a window that it lasts like 25 more minutes. We both made a lot of analogies on Twitter on Saturday as this was happening. I think you compared it to a scenario where there's a cousin Greg-esque figure just sitting in an office taking yeah. these calls unsure of what to do. I mean, it, he's almost sitting there looking at Tom playing Boar on the yeah. floor, being very confused about what's happening. The clowny trade I compared to a guy that won ten bucks playing blackjack and then decided to spend ten thousand because he had more money in his pocket. Yeah, it, my, it just it's so crazy. I really do think that like Bill O'Brien accidentally named someone general manager in secret and then they actually <laughs> accidentally signed off on the trade and and Bill O'Brien was like, "You did what?" Um, it's it is the strangest thing. I mean, there's a million things to unpack here, but the first one is this is clearly an overreaction to the Andrew Luck thing. Just like we have to figure out a way to keep Deshaun Watson oh, interesting. upright. And because I w- I've been thinking about this for a week. If if you are, if you have an elite quarterback and he's young, whether that's Deshaun Watson, whether that's Patrick Mahomes, the Andrew Luck thing should scare you a little bit because he was as sure a thing as you could possibly have. And he's retired at age 29. And I think that there is now a feeling among people like Bill O'Brien that if we don't do everything we can to protect Deshaun Watson, then we have failed. And and I agree with that. However, 
However, you way overpaid for Laramie Tunsil. And now like maybe the other scenario here is that like they all got really into like weird apocalyptic scenarios and they think this is the last season of NFL football. <laughs> That's the other option here because they've mortgaged their future for a good left tackle, but a left tackle. So we'll get into the trades themselves and the value and everything else for a second. But the first thing I want to address is that I can't remember which podcast we talked about it on where we were. We, we just asked kind of the blanket question of how important is it to have a general manager as you enter an offseason? You know, with the draft and free agency over, yeah. how much does it matter? And we both concluded that it's very important because a lot of the best teams in the NFL well, are teams that are tinkering not only with big portions of the roster, but the margins of their roster through the end of the season. So having somebody to yeah. do that matters a, a whole lot. And the Texans don't have a general manager. And I know the joke, it, it's funny to say, you know, did he name someone and that guy's doing it? This is Bill O'Brien's. Bill this O'Brien. is all Bill O'Brien's doing. And the apocalyptic scenario thing, I, I understand that. But in his mind, it might as well be the last season of NFL football. Because right. as a head coach, you're always on borrowed time. And that's why head coaches shouldn't be in charge of personnel decisions. Because their timeline and their understanding of what matters three years from now is not important. Uh, the Bill O'Brien, uh, the, the Texans thinking on this is that the hit rate on picks in the 20s is very small. If you look at it over a three-year period. Uh, I had this on good authority. And the problem with that thinking is there's a chance that in two years, the Texans aren't picking in the 20s. Right. If Deshaun Watson gets hurt, either this year or next year, which, by the way, even with Laramie Tunsil, is certainly not out of the question because the rest of the line isn't very good. This team could be picking in the top 10. And then you're giving the eighth overall pick to the Dolphins, and in two years, you're screwed. It, it just It's not a smart way to think no matter how good you think you're going to be over a three-year period. I understand going all in, but this is an entirely different conversation. Well, also, I understand going all in if you're the Chiefs and you have you almost won the Super Bowl last year. You were an overtime yes. away from getting to and winning the Super Bowl. Okay, the Texans are not there. I think that what's funny about the is the GM important thing is we were talking about small moves. We were talking about like yeah, exactly the Eli Apple trade. Okay, we weren't talking <laughs> about remaking your entire future in a day. Um, I think that's that's the interesting thing. And you know, I think it, you know, it comes back to football guys. And I don't want to paint with too broad a brush here because Bill Belichick is a football guy. Howie Roseman, in large part, is a football guy, even though he was never a coach. Um, but football guys tend to not understand value. They only understand the roster and what's in front of them. They do not understand, you know, sort of the the new realities. You know, one of the things I did a Sashi Brown piece a couple of weeks ago, and there were people in football and outside football who were like, no one learned anything from the Browns. Not one person was like the Browns crushed it, even though they did. They got a ton of picks and you cannot build the roster they have now without getting a bunch of picks. They basically showed you can have two first round picks forever. Do they have missteps? Absolutely. In fact, Deshaun Watson is one of those missteps. But you have to imagine that someone at some point is saying, wait, is the fact that the Browns had a bunch of high picks? Did that did that help them? Yes, it did. Don't trade them away. You cannot win. You know, listen, they traded a first round pick for Deshaun Watson. I understand that. I get that. That's fine. But if you're just going to keep doing that for every good player on your roster, eventually the well is going to run dry. That's how the draft works. The draft is extremely valuable. The smart teams understand how to play the draft. The Texans are not a smart team. And there's 
limit to this, right? Like we talk all the time about getting the most out of your quarterback on a rookie contract, but your quarterback is still going to have a second contract and you'd like some assets to continue building your team. When your quarterback becomes expensive, the most important thing that you need at that point is relatively cheap, affordable assets, including players on rookie contracts. They just gave away two of them. I understand there's a middle ground here. The the Texans did not find it. I I mean, it is just incredible what they gave up in this trade. And I I understand that they're better now. I, I said that when it happened. They are. And I think that Kenny Stills is weirdly intriguing because... Will Fuller is hurt all the time, and he provides some insurance sure. as a deep threat in that offense. I mean, it's undeniable that they're better, but what they gave up is just crazy. Okay, this is the football equivalent of not studying for a test and then trying to cram the morning of. Okay, <laughs> that's Which right. I certainly and the clowny thing is applicable have, to that as well. No, no, that's what I'm saying is that you're trying to to do an off season's worth of moves in 24 hours. If they had traded Clowney or attempted to trade Clowney before the the tender deadline. Just then, at the draft when you could have yeah, gotten the most sure, for him. Sure. And you had a GM, by the way. You could have you could have started negotiating with teams that could sign him to a long-term deal at that point, which they cannot now. Um, he would have had less leverage to explicitly say where he was going to go. Also, there was you know, there's there's the just a simple matter of there were probably teams that he wouldn't want to go to that could have tempted him with a bigger, uh, more lucrative long-term contract. And maybe the Dolphins are one of those. I have no idea. But what I'm saying is that they just sort of tried to cram everything in there. If they had said, hey, we can pay a king's ransom for a left tackle, they would probably have been able to get a good left tackle for far less than that. There were reports yesterday that basically the the reason this trade went down like it did was the Dolphins said Larry Matunsel was not available. And then the Texans just kept going and going and going until they got him. And so it's kind of ludicrous that they, I mean, this is just the, you know, Moneyball is, I think, the best book, uh, maybe about sports ever, right? And there's a line in there where Billy Bean says, if you have to do something, you're screwed. And I think yes. about that all the time. And this is having to do something. And not surprisingly, they were screwed. And that happened twice in the same day. Somebody, an executive with the team a couple, like last month, we were talking about a totally unrelated issue. And he brought up the idea of the longer you wait, the more you have to pay for information. And and this is, this is how, this is exactly what just happened. I mean, they had to pay to gain the information necessary about how the market was going to fall, all of that stuff. And think about, it's actually a really interesting kind of comparison because consider what happened with the Seahawks and Frank Clark, right? They also franchise tag their elite pass rusher and look at what they traded him for. Look at the hole they got. Imagine if you got, maybe it's not even the same hole for Clowney if you do this before the deadline happens. But even if it's a first round pick, how much more palatable is the Tunsil trade if you have an extra first round pick in the equation? Right. It changes the entire calculus of this. It's all related. I, I'm 100% agreeing with you. By the way, I've now named like 40 books, the best sports book of all time. And I just need to... <laughs> This I is just, similar I to you saying that. every team is going to be good and, and hedging your bets with every NFL team in 2019. It's a smart I, approach. I, I actually didn't do that. I actually just said the Seahawks were going to be good, which you disagreed with me on, which should lead us into our Seahawks discussion in which you just backtrack. Like, you know, I that when I said that on Twitter on Saturday, it was kind of a joke. I still have concerns about this team, but it is. Can, really they, all right, window. can they win the Super Bowl? I still think it'd be a long road. Just based on what they have on offense. Clowney's a nice player, but I'm not sure he swings that entire thing. No, I'm just saying. I I will say I I moved them into that tier. They were already on the edge to me, 
but I moved them into that tier with Baltimore and and with the Texans and everybody else. I, that, I was willing to do that. I adjusted my preseason power rankings because of this trade. It was one spot, but again, that one spot to us was kind of the. Can I say point. something? I the Texans are still in my group of seventeen, but I actually feel like moving them out because yesterday suggested that maybe they're just going to keep doing crazier and crazier moves until they're out of Even it. Even if the team is better, it gives you less hope about them going forward. I actually yeah, I just feel like that. they're going to they're going to like they're they're weirdly just going to, you know, in week 9 just be like we're we're going to bench Deshaun Watson for some reason to save him. Yeah. I don't even know. I mean like I, this is not normal behavior. They're not thinking rationally. They're they're on they're on tilt. Yes, that that's totally fair. And obviously the Seahawks are in the opposite scenario, the Seahawks and what they were able to do this offseason, the picks they got for for Clark being able to get, you know, not the same. I, I mean, I think Clark and Clowney are probably similar in terms of overall production. You know, Clowney is a little bit more of a unique asset. You have to move him around. It's necessary to be creative with him. You can't just throw him on the edge and hope that he's going to be a dominant force playing and play out. But I do think if you have a defensive coordinator that's willing to kind of do some fun stuff, he's just a really disruptive player. So if you consider that and the fact that they traded a third round pick for him and we forgot to mention that the Texans paid a $7 million signing bonus for Clowney deal, sweeten the deal. It's unbelievable. So the Seattle will be paying half for Clowney of what they would have for Frank Clark. And they got two first round picks in the deal. In the first round pick in the deal. Excuse me. We want everyone's like, I want a 30 for 30 on like the deal or whatever. Here's what I want. Okay. I'll try to do this at some point. What I want to know is what the phones looked like after the Tunsil trade, because I guarantee you that some smart executive called about like DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, you have to, because why not? You have to call about J.J. Watt at that point and be like, yeah, we're looking to unload a seventh round pick. We like your Watt guy. (laughs) What do you think? Just see what happens. So with Seattle, I think that now one of the reasons, and I know it's one player, but when you're talking about addressing what is arguably the biggest need on your team and outside pass rusher, even with Ansa in the fold, I think was Seattle's biggest need. And now they have it. I think mm-hmm. that in nickel situations, there's still some stuff to be addressed because one of cloudy's biggest strengths is that you can move him inside. And if you move him inside, then what, who do you put on the outside with Ansa if he's healthy? I think there's still some stuff to think about when it comes to the Seahawks, but I do think the talent that they have, in their front six now, if everyone is right, it, it becomes intriguing. And if that can make up for what is a very young secondary that has some question marks, all right, let's see what happens. You know, I, I think that now you can be a little bit more excited about their prospects long term as a defense, just because he does unlock some other pieces. I totally agree with you. And one of the things about the Seahawks is again, they have an incredibly good front office who understood the value here. They get a King's ransom for Frank Clark, don't have to pay him. I understand there's some risk with Clowney. He could walk, but you said, I mean, he could walk. Who cares? Then, no, no, who no. Gives but then you get you get a comp pick. Yes. So you just so you, you get a comp pick for him. And then you pay him essentially nothing. And then you're getting rid of Barkevius Mingo, who you're going to cut, and then another linebacker. Who cares? Literally, I mean, who you're cares? Pay, you're paying no, Clowney what you pay an average defensive end for There's that no actual bucks. risk. You will get a third-round pick in a comp if he leaves. So you, you, it's basically a zero-sum gain for them, and then plus they get Clowney. Yeah, uh, it's an unbelievable home run. And again, it's about making the other pieces on your front four better. That's like when it's a little bit different and they're not the same caliber of player. 
But when the Bears traded for Mack last year, the reason I was so excited about it was beyond the prospect of having Khalil Mack on your team. It was understanding what having that piece in your front seven does to the rest of your front. It makes everybody better just by virtue of the numbers. And that's why I'm so excited about Clowney. It's not just his talent that makes the Seahawks better. It's what happens to the rest of your players because he's there. And again, he's not Khalil Mack, but he's still an unbelievably disruptive presence. It reminds me a little bit of what John Dorsey told me where he said, okay, well, everyone talks about building around Baker Mayfield and the offense and going all in on Baker Mayfield, but they also do the same thing on defense with Miles Garrett. And that Garrett now has all of these pieces in the front seven that will unlock Garrett, whether that's Olivia Vernon on the other side, whether that's Larry O, obviously in the middle, he was there last year, but it's just a different look Richardson. for them. Richardson, obviously. And so it's just it's it's not just going all in on your offense. You can go all in on your front seven too. And Clowney's gonna unlock some things with their front seven now. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think that it's again, it, it's a move that has a domino effect with the rest of your team. And that's why I think it has such an impact for them. And to do it for nothing, God, that's incredible. I mean, that I think a lot of people <laughs> tweeted out the picture of John Schneider wearing that belt in the locker room. And I, I, after the Super Bowl, I'm not sure he's ever just like deserved it more than he did this weekend because it, what he pulled off is amazing. I'm photoshopping your face on that belt when they win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm willing to accept that. That's totally fine. All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break. Two-thirds of guys experiencing noticeable hair loss by age 35, most guys assume losing their hair is inevitable as they age. Some don't care. Some shave their heads. Some embrace hats. Lord knows I do. But what they don't know is their FDA-approved medication is designed to stop hair loss, even regrow hair. That's why we're excited to partner with our sponsor, Roman. Roman makes it easy to get safe FDA-approved hair loss treatment, all from your phone or computer. When you go to GetRoman.com slash RingerNFL, your online visit is free. Consult with a U.S. licensed physician through our secure online platform. No awkward conversations with receptionists or reading bad magazines and waiting rooms. Once your doctor ensures that treatment will be safe and effective for you, Roman's dedicated pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping and discreet packaging. If you're noticing unwanted hair loss, starting treatment early is key, and Roman can help. And today, Roman is giving the Ringer NFL show listeners a free online visit at GetRoman.com slash RingerNFL. That's GetRoman.com slash RingerNFL for a free visit to get started. Go to GetRoman.com slash RingerNFL. And while we're here, for over 20 years, DirecTV has been the exclusive home to NFL Sunday Ticket, the only way to get every live game every Sunday. Good news, NFL fans. DirecTV has expanded the service. If you're a student actively enrolled in college or university, you can now get NFL Sunday Ticket without a satellite. Plus, there's an exclusive student discount. See if you're eligible, go online to NFLSundayTicket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday Ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. Package is also available for football fans in areas where DirecTV service is not available. Pepsi takes all NFL celebrations to the next level. Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown, a defensive stop on the goal line, or a Super Bowl win, when it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. I can tell you that as soon as they started being more lax about these celebration rules, the NFL got a lot more fun. I will not forget the Vikings playing Duck Duck Goose in the end zone, even if it was against my Bears. I want a whole lot more of that, and Pepsi does too. Pepsi, the official sponsor of the NFL, reminds you to always be celebrating. All right, let's talk about the other team involved in this equation, and that's the Miami Dolphins. I 
when we heard about them shopping Tunsil or the Tunsil was available or that, you know, it was whatever. But, did, but, that, but, but that seemed to not even be true. It just the text. And it didn't make sense to me because why would you trade a young, really? Yeah. I mean, let's first of all, let's kind of hit reset about how good Laramie Tunsil is. Because Laramie Tunsil is a good left tackle. Laramie Tunsil is not Teron Armstead or Tyron Smith. Walter Jones here. No. Laramie Tunsil is a good left tackle. He's a very good left tackle. And he's young. He'd be worth the high, the biggest left tackle contract of all time when he comes up in a couple of years. He should be asking for it right now from Houston, who has zero leverage and a ton of cap space. That That's totally fine. But he is not, you know, this, you know, we're all world player. That being said, he is still a very good young player. And if you're a Miami team that one has an endless pool of cap space next season, they're going to have a hundred and something million dollars. They have no building blocks and you're probably going to be drafting a quarterback in the top three next year. Wouldn't you want a really good left tackle to kind of help ensure your quarterback succeeds? That was my thought process initially. That being said, Take it's picks. really hard to turn down two first round picks for anybody. Take the picks. I mean, it, yes. it, it, you're you're rebuilding, you're tearing it down. Just take the picks. It, it, they're they the Dolphins. I guess we're not gonna listen. There've been rumblings for months they were gonna do a full on tank. Then there were rumblings. Well, Brian Flores isn't gonna allow that because Brian Flores is competitive. Well, there's a couple of things. Number one, I don't think it's now a question of whether or not Brian Flores will allow a tank. I think the tank is on because of the roster talent. Okay, this is not a competitiveness thing. This is a, a talent thing. So they're gonna lose a lot of games. They're going to be in real position to draft high the next two years, and that that's important. The next two years is, is quite a window, and you know if you don't, if you believe that you you can get your guy in two years, then you can trade out this year, kind of like what the yeah. Browns have done, kind of yep. you know the, the the Titans did that uh, a couple of years ago, um, and so there's a lot there's a lot to work with for them, and they're going to have a lot of picks to do it. And I thought that I, it was so weird this sort of meme that went around. Afterwards, it was like, well, draft picks are worthless if you don't hit the picks. Well, okay. What, 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 just, ha- what, what just happened here? Like, we've always known that. That's the point of maximizing your picks. That's why you get more picks. Yes. Because I mean, it's it, all sort of random. Like, Jeffrey Lurie said this. I've talked to a million people about this. The Eagles and the Patriots' offensive uh, draft philosophy is just to get a bunch of picks because it's all random. Like, Bill Belichick is not a good drafter. No one part. is a good drafter. We no. all we know this. It, it's well, been proven over the course of like 15 years. I thought it was interesting. There was a study a couple couple months ago. I saw that basically the Packers and the Seahawks were the two teams that in the last couple of years have done better. Last decade or so have done better than everybody else. But then you look at a team like the Ravens. The Ravens had a historically high hit rate, and then they kind of tailed off a little bit. You know what I mean? So everyone it's does. Just, Everyone does. You, you can be a little bit better. Joe Banner said this couple in my Sashi Brown story, actually. But he said, essentially, Jimmy Johnson is the one that taught the Eagles about the process. Because Jimmy Johnson certainly processed those Cowboys. Okay, And one of the things he said was, listen, if you have a GM who's a little bit better than everybody else, if you give him a lot more picks, eventually that 1%, 2%, 3% edge is going to be massive. Because it's 3% on a bunch of picks instead of 3% on one pick. That's all we know about the draft. That's all that's definitive. And the, the Dolphins have put themselves in excellent, in an excellent situation. And my thing now is, okay, you have two first-round picks next year. I believe you have an extra second-round pick next year. Uh, you know, a couple, like, I mean, they're, they're loaded. It's, I, I can't even list them all off. It would take like 20 minutes. But now you have so much ammunition 
Here's my thing, and this is why I think it's tough. And the Browns did this very well, and they managed to pull it off. If you have the number one pick, and there's a quarterback there that you really like, let's, for hypothetical reasons here, say it's Tua. And if you know you can get that guy now, isn't it tempting to do that rather than wait until 2021 when you may luck into six or you know, six wins or so and have to move up? How do you feel about that? Or do yeah. you spend next year just building the infrastructure and know you have two first round picks in 2021 and you do everything you can to go get your guy? I think there's I, I, have, I can understand both scenarios. I think that guessing now is really hard. And I think it comes down to, I'm just glad that those guys have a scouting department and a bunch of people who are looking at this because I think that we have always historically been quite wrong when thinking about which quarterbacks are going to hit a year out. I don't think that's necessarily the case before the draft or after the season or come November. That's a good but point. But there's a lot of quarterbacks that we've looked at. I, I think Tua is a great, great prospect. But there are a lot of quarterbacks that we've looked at a year out and said, this guy is surefire, John Elway, plug him in 15 years, and it hasn't really worked. I mean, someone like Matt Leinart, someone like, I mean, do you remember the freaking hype around Brian Brom this time in yes. Brian Brom's last year? And yes. I'm, not, I, I, I'm in no way comparing Tua to those guys. But what I'm saying is, is that these generational quarterback prospects, there's a lot more that have been pegged before their last season than after their last season. That's all I'll say about that. And no, so that's what I'm, that's kind of my argument here. So if we get to April and Tua remains that guy, do and you have the number one pick, do you take him? Yes, I think you take him because there's no way to know Absolutely. about Trevor Lawrence, whatever. And I think you do too. If they come out and say, we think is the generational prospect after the season, you absolutely take him. There's no reason to wait. I'm just saying you keep your options open. You don't say we have to have a quarterback by next season. No, I, th- I think so too. If he's there, I, I agree with you that I'd rather have the burden in hand. Here's my concern about that. Now you're putting him into a situation with absolutely no talent. That's what I'm worried about. Sure. And that's why I think there's an argument for using this upcoming draft and all the picks you have in it Again, if someone needs Tua, which a lot of teams are going to want to, what could you sell that pick for? I mean, you would get unbelievable amounts of return. And you could use that to replenish a roster, start building an infrastructure for the guy you try to find in 2021. There's no certainty that that guy is there. But if you have confidence that Trevor Lawrence is that player, then maybe you take a risk and do it. I totally agree with you that there's a ton of downside to that plan. But I still think putting any quarterback onto the roster they're going to have next year is a dicey proposition. Well, part of that, by the way, is that if Trevor Lawrence is the prospect they think he is, they may not be alone in tanking. No, and they may not be alone in trying to pull everything they can to go up and get him if they're not in the top two right. or three. That's what I'm saying. What if the Bucks? What if the Bucks whole thing with Jameis doesn't work right in two years, and, or Mariota, or the Bengals, right. or the Raiders? There are tons right. of teams that could be in the market and, and, for a quarterback and in two years. All it takes is one smart owner to either just tell the coach like we're not winning a game this year, or as I've suggested on this podcast before, hire Mike Malarkey and then just tank. Hired to be fired. Hire Mike Malarkey for the tank. <laughs> the, or, the organic tank. You don't have to tell him a thing. Just let him sort it out. I think it's a really interesting argument. I could see both sides of it. I would say if you believe he's the guy, you take him. But I also think that's where your second year of Ryan Fitzpatrick is really nice. You just toss him out there and say, here, here you go, buddy. Here's, here's round two. I hope you enjoy that five million bucks. Oh, I feel man. like that's way safer. 
I I'm I'm with you on that one. Poor Josh Rosen. Or maybe you start Josh Rosen. Who cares? He seems to be a good tank candidate. I said this the other day, and I firmly believe this. If you're another team, let's say you're the teams we talked about before, whether it's New England, uh, the Chargers. It'll probably they probably wouldn't trade him to New England, but the Chargers, a team like that, where you're really kind of looking at the end with your quarterback. Wouldn't Miami give Josh Rosen away for like a third round pick right now? What incentive do they have to keep him into next year if they're going to draft somebody? Yeah, I don't know. I, I it's 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 a great question. Um, I would be calling. I don't know what sort of pick that he'd but, be available what, for. What, what, I'm sorry, but like, what are you calling about? What, what he he can't beat out Brian Fitzpatrick. Oh, I disagree. At some, with that. at some point, Josh Rosen is just not a great quarterback. But I'd still be willing to take a chance. I, I am not willing to oh, close for a the book third on third round yet. pick. You get Jadeveon Clowney for a third round pick. Apparently, I would call and see what, what Rosen would be available for right now. That I would be doing it if I were a team that needed even a backup quarterback. I'd be willing to do it right now. I, I feel like the who do won the think quarterback that the competition in that, that place does not do, say much. Do you think that the Patriots think that Jared Stidham is better than Josh Rosen? I have no idea. How would I possibly yeah. know that? I don't know. I'm just saying that if you, I, I, if you are a team, you talk yourself, you develop a quarterback, and at some point you say, this guy's probably better than Josh Rosen. I don't think there's a lot of teams right now that would trade a third-round pick for Josh Rosen. Third round's probably at high. Some, Maybe something less than yeah. that. But I would be willing to see exactly how little I could offer for him right now. I would take Josh call. Rosen. I would take Josh Rosen if it was like a Brock Osweiler deal where you also had to take a second-round pick. That was a joke, by the way. I'm not actually I'm, suggesting I, I was, that. I was, I, would I was trying to figure that out in my mind. I would trade a seventh round pick for Josh Rosen. And then I let him in under my quarterback. I would do more. I would do more than that. But your third round is high. But I would definitely see what he was available for right now. So let's just kind of put a, a bow on the Texans very quickly. Because I don't think we talked about, and again, necessarily what this means for this season. We know they're better. What is the Texans ceiling right now after the moves that they made? And same as their ceiling last year. AFC South winners, which... It was probably already confirmed when Andrew Luck retired. So they're probably on that track anyway. This still to yeah. you doesn't put them in the same tier as the Chiefs and the Patriots and the, and even no. the Steelers. Maybe getting rid of Clowney okay. and getting t- or even getting the Browns. No, I think that they, I think they have the possibility to be better than the Browns because they get they they like the Browns have just a lot of blue chip talent everywhere. I mean, like we forget JJ. Watt. I disagree. JJ Watts still pretty good. Uh, Deshaun Watson is, is what, in my opinion, a top 10 quarterback. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is quite good. Um, so they have blue chippers. I mean, in a strange way, it almost reminds me a little bit of the conversation around Seattle the other day, um, where they've just got a handful of players who are top 10 at their position, and they've got a lot of question marks, but all you need is a couple of things to break right. So I would, I would put them on definitively on the second tier of the AFC I think they've um, wasted a lot of resources trying to get to that first tier, and they're not going to get there. I think the Browns have a much better roster than the Texans. I think that no, no, I I agree with you. I said they have a chance to be better than the Browns, but I if you're, I think the the Texans are a ten win team, and the Browns are an eleven win team. That's probably fair. I I just think that their holes on defense, and now again, it has the same sort of domino effect for Houston that it did for the the Seahawks. I mean, now Mm -hmm. you have. A pass rushing group that no longer includes Clowney. So you have to lean so much on Merciless as that guy. And he was very good last year when he kind of had rehabbed that injury. But you still now have two high end pass rushes instead of three, which is a world of difference. They still have question marks in the inside linebacker spots. 
You have an aging corner in Jonathan Joseph. Bradley Roby is fine. Your corner, uh, Tayshawn Tayshawn Gibson was okay last year with Houston, but I think he's a downgrade from what Tyron Matthew was for them and less versatile. So, I mean, their defense, it's hard to find a reason where they'll be nearly as good as last year. And this was a team that already was thriving on a ton of turnover luck on that side of the ball. So, I mean, their offense has a chance to be really good, and I think they will be. But I still think that it's hard to imagine a scenario where they're a lot better than they were last year. That's what I said. I mean, they, they are the, they are marginally they have they obviously have upgrades in some departments, but they're just they are not an elite AFC team. All right, let's knock off a couple tidbits here. Let's stick with one of the elite AFC teams. The Kansas City Chiefs signed LaShawn McCoy yeah. after he was cut by the Browns. Does this, or when he's cut by the Bills, does this move the needle to you? Do you care? Yeah. I think this is this has way more impact on fantasy football than it does to real actual football. I don't know, man. I mean, I think that I think he's a good player. I think Andy Reid's going to know how to use him. I have no idea the fantasy implications. I saw some of the analysis last night, but I think that it's better to have LaShawn McCoy than not have LaShawn McCoy if you can afford it. So I'm I'm in. Yeah, it's fine with me. I think this offense does such a good job getting the most out of its backs that you could plug a lot of guys in there and they'd be really successful, especially in the passing game. But yeah, I mean, the equation is probably better with LaShawn McCoy in it. I still don't think this is something that necessarily puts them over the top, anything like that. I mean, they'll be a little bit better, but they were already the best team in the AFC to me anyway. So, I mean, it's just a little yep. bit of bolstering their position offensively. A couple more AFC East tidbits before we get out of here. I just wanted to mention the fact that the Jets cut a third round pick from this year. The last and gasp also, of the Mike McCagnan era is just unbelievably Also, funny. it was one of those picks where everyone beforehand was like, this guy is... This probably shouldn't draft this guy. It's like watching yourself lock your keys in your car. Like everybody was like, <laughs> he was dropping so much. He was a first I, round I mean, pick when the draft process started. He fell to the third right. round because right. of just he how the, bad his entire yeah. process was. He was the Brian Brom of 2019. Um, no, he's just, he's not, he's now on the Seahawks practice squad. I mean, that kind of says it all. Seahawks will probably make him into a pro bowler at some point. Yeah, he I'm sure they will. Apparently find ungodly amounts of money for being late all the time and missing practice or whatever. So you probably don't want to take him in the third round. That's my that's my advice. So this goes back to again something that I've been saying for six months. If you're gonna overhaul your franchise, you're gonna hire Joe Douglas, who has a nice track record, he's been in some good front offices. If you're gonna do that. What if, and, and let's not go crazy here, what if you did that before letting Mike McCagney have a full draft class and spend like $100 million in free agency? What if we did that? It's, it's a novel idea, man. Who, who would have thunk it? It may work out. Whatever. Anything else? Uh, not really. Nikhil Harry went on IR. I mean, it's not particularly notable to me. I think that for the most part, yeah. this team is going to have enough receivers. I mean, getting Josh Gordon back again really changes the calculus for that position group. But outside of that, there was nothing that really jumped out to me. I mean, you know, guys like, you know, T's Tabor getting cut by the Lions. That wasn't yeah. necessarily a shock considering how bad he'd been recently. I mean, for the most part, these are names that made a ton of sense. I, I think that no one really jumped out outside of McCoy and, and he found a job pretty quickly. I mean, that backfield in Buffalo was so crowded that losing him was easy to, it was very palatable. I mean, they're just going to plug Singletary and Gore and, and Yeldon in there in some sort of, you know, trio and, and kind of live with it. But running back is yeah. not a position where I'm really worried about them, especially. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. I, yeah, the cut day was, was pretty quiet. I mean, the McCoy thing makes sense. If For the most part, their yeah. actions, not their words. 
drafted Devin Singletary. He was flash. Frank Gore is just immortal. Um, he was always going to make the roster. So I'm not too, uh, not too surprised by anything on cut down day. Yeah, me neither. I mean, the biggest surprises were definitely the Texans losing their mind slowly over the course of 24 hours, which uh, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm curious to see how it's going to work out for everybody involved. All right, bud. Is that all we got? You hate to see it. All righty. We it. will be back later this week with uh, our preview podcast. We were going to just do that one, but there was really no way to ignore everything that the Texans did over the weekend. Well, we've, so, previewed, the, we, we've previewed the Texans. We can leave them out of the preview. We, the, the, the Texans are not necessary, but we'll be talking about you know all the major stuff. You know who we think is going to make the playoffs. Everything else, we'll be getting to that you know, later in the week. And until then, I hope you guys enjoy your Labor Day. Hope you have a nice barbecue going, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks so much for listening to the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Thanks, guys. Pepsi takes all NFL celebrations to the next level. Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown, defensive stop on the goal line, or a Super Bowl win, when it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. Pepsi, the official sponsor of the NFL, reminds you to always be celebrating.